At lunch I eat a sandwich with a glass of Coke to roll. No one can see you drinking when you're working from home. I still produce reports in a professional font. But now when I have downtime, I can do what I want. And welcome to the Existentialist Cucumber. My name is Larry Wu. And I'm Curtis Withers. Larry, um, I believe that uh, today is a special day, and not because of Joe Biden's inauguration, but it is in fact your birthday. Happy birthday, sir. Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm, I'm, uh, I'm privileged that I was able to level up another year. Oh, uh, It's quite something because your birthday was Joe Biden's inauguration and mine was the uh, Capitol riots. <laughs> so, Good point. It's, it's quite think- something. We're we're definitely setting some landmarks, but my birthday's always on inauguration day, right? Because inauguration day is always Jan twentieth, right? Historically so. speaking, yeah. yeah. So I, I remember, you know, Obama being um, inaugurated and going, "Oh, it's on my birthday," and then realized Trump when Trump won, and it was like, "Hold on, wait, it's on my birthday again." I guess I never noticed it before, but um, but you, but you're right, but you're right. Um, so Curtis, I was going to ask you because this relates to our. Uh, and, and yet to be titled segment of what I, it's not necessarily word of the show, but uh, just curious of what you had for dinner tonight. Uh, well, uh, thanks for asking. I had a, uh, a green uh, chicken curry uh, that my wife made. That was, uh, it was quite delicious. Okay. So here's, here's my, uh, here's the word I'm looking for. So it must've been very, uh, you said it was really delicious. Mm-hmm. Um did it have lots of umami? I believe, Larry, that it did. It did have lots of umami, which, of course, is the sensation you get when you eat something and you think immediately of all the lovers that you had that dumped you on your birthday. <laughs> I, I I don't know if that definition kind of fits what the person originally invented the word for, but oh, uh, I don't know. That, that, that's, that's a good call. I, you know, if, if, if you were to ask me, like, I would have thought umami, and it, obviously it had to relate about food, I would have said, like, is it messy? Like, did you eat it? And then, like, it just it's just a messy food. But uh, no, no, umami... umami. Yeah, exactly. But no, imami is a Japanese word for, I guess, the best represents savoriness. Um, so it's it's kind of what they deem as one of the five basic tastes, right? And umami is one of them, which is typically related to like broths, gravies, soups, cooked meats. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, how you know it's it's. I don't think it's fair to just call it like how salty something is, but it's just that savoriness of, of good old MSG that is, <laughs> is in your food. Um, I know it's, the word has kind of uh, found its way into, into Western uh, cuisine. Cause I know uh, at, at Loblaws, they have their own brand of umami paste, but, but I'm, I'm, I'm wondering if, like the people who make these products kind of know because umami is kind of like it's a bit esoteric right like it's it's not that easily quantifiable what umami is same with like things savory like that's that's right yeah Uh, yeah i think you would be oversimplifying it by saying oh something is salty 
like I think that would probably like someone try to oversimplify it. it it's not just being something salty as being one of the five tastes. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. But but you've been to Japan and you've been dabbled you've dabbled in making your own food before Japanese food from scratch. Like you know, mm-hmm. have uh-huh. you kind of, have you created your own umami? Well. <laughs> Yes, I have dabbled with uh, with with mixed results. Um, so when I was in Japan, like I loved the food. Uh, I, I mean, I like Japanese food uh, to begin with, and then when I went there, it was just like you know, I had I had like you know, great sushi, really great ramen, and the ramen the ramen that that I had really stuck with me, and I wanted to try to make it uh, when I when I got home. And I'm not a very good cook i've 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 been i've been improving uh of late but uh this was a bit ambitious i think for me to to try but i got some pork belly i got some eggs and i got like a really good sort of like um i got a really good marinade for the eggs so they they marinated like this uh soy sauce uh mixture that i made they turned out great the pork belly turned out really good so all the accoutrements for the ramen were great but when it came to making the broth uh, the the recipe that I was looking at called for two cups of uh, dashi, and it 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 you know gave you a recipe on how to make your own dashi, and it sounded too complicated, and so I decided that I would get like some some pre made sort of stuff to to service the dashi. So they have the stuff called han dashi, and you're supposed to I think dilute like a tablespoon in a cup. But I didn't know. I thought, oh well, this must be the dashi. So when it called for two cups, I didn't. I didn't put two cups like two cups of water with some of the hondashi. I put two cups of the actual hondashi in it, and the thing was <laughs> as salty as the Dead Sea. Like it was inedible. It was terrible. Like it was embarrassing. It was. It was. It was such a failure. Um, and and you know, I I think I ate it out of spite. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, like and, little bits every 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 now and then. Like my and, wife had to eat it; she couldn't eat it. And, and, and how swollen were your ankles when you were retaining oh. all that water? Oh, <laughs> dude! Like, yeah, it was. It was. I couldn't eat like too much of it. And, and and in fact, I ended up just I ended up just taking the noodles out and soaking soaking them, and then just <laughs> eating. Like it was it was terrible. And I and I was so upset because like the egg had turned out. Like I, I was worried the most about the egg, right? Because like, you know, um, it, you you have to you have to get it. You know, if you've had the if you had an egg at the ramen, like at a ramen uh, in a ramen dish at a at a proper ramen restaurant, like that's so good, and they, they get that consistency with the yolks. You know, it's not hard to do, but it's hard to do if you suck at cooking like me. So, but I managed to pull it off. So I was really looking forward to this ramen, and then, and then, and then it just ended up being a being a salty mess. Uh, but, but I have, I did. It took me a while, but I did go back to it, and I made it a couple of weeks ago. And I would like to report that it was a success. Yeah, excellent. That you know what you 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 got me thinking because that's the one dish I miss from eating in a restaurant is ramen it doesn't feel right to kind of get it takeout and try to reassemble it when I get home. Mm-hmm. Um, now, not to say that I haven't had ramen since the lockdown. Cause I, I, unlike you, I'm not brave enough to make it from scratch. Like I'm still buying powdered kits, but not like the Mr. Noodle 
you know, get like a box of 10 for like a dollar 50. Like I'm buying the ones that I'm buying are maybe let's say they're about $7 and you get six packs. Let's just mm-hmm. say, mm-hmm. um, and what I've been doing is, you know, just like yourself, I'll like, okay, I'll, I'll, I'm not brave enough to make the broth or the noodles by myself. So I'll just use those two, but then I'll like load it, like you said, with the egg, maybe with my own veggie, uh, and, and kind of whip it up. I have been trying to do the super soft boiled slash, uh, poached egg that some ramen restaurants will do. So then when you eat, you kind of puncture the egg and let it kind of mix in with the broth I, i'm mm. slowly mastering that but it's 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 not uh it's not easy i i usually i just end up cheating and i just really lightly poach the egg but i i've been trying to f- find some instructions on doing it where you kind of soft boil the egg so it's still in the shell and then you'd be able to kind of peel it so that you can put it in the broth before you serve it and it actually looks like a perfectly good egg until you realize oh it's really soft and you poke it but mm-hmm. so mm-hmm. i've been cheating just poaching it <laughs> um but yeah that's that's the one thing i really miss is ramen like, yeah if you get a, to get like a really nice bowl of ramen is so like i love it um and uh you know obviously the, the one that i that i that i made most recently it doesn't compare to going out and getting it at a proper like doodle bar or anything but it was good it, it turned out and it's i guess especially with the bar set so low by my initial attempt <laughs> no no not at all you're just you're, you're just you're just nicely pickled and preserved at this point. <laughs> i mean it is good i i was so discouraged afterwards but i mean this is one of those things where you learn from your failures and this was like definitely a culinary failure but i did le- I, le- I did learn from it and uh you know so uh, now I now I know that I can make it, so now I can try to sort of like tweak it and make it better and yeah. that kind of thing. You know, I don't know if I'm I don't know if I'm ready to serve it to other people except for my wife and I yet. But well, what, what's the what's the what's the the thing for Batman? Why why do we fall so we can make better ramen the next time? <laughs> Something like that. Okay, why don't we go on with the news? You kind of mentioned off the top uh, today. Uh, or at our recording day was inauguration day. So here's my first take. I was more shocked at the fact that I'm listening to a presidential speech and the person sounds like an adult and can string like a proper sentence together. Yeah. <laughs> like I, I found myself just shocked listening to that and going, so this is the president of the United States, eh? He seems to be talking a lot of, you know, using big words and trying to make some sense out of everything. He's not, oh, like it, it was almost kind of, a, yeah, just in shock hearing both of them speak to really is Kamala Harris and, and Biden. Yeah. Now, whether whether you, you agree with their politics or not, but you have to agree, like the speech yeah. alone <laughs> was probably longer and more coherent than anything that uh, the angry orange has been spewing the last four years. Yeah. It was nice not to hear like ad hominem attacks against anyone. Like, like, you know, this is, this is not meant to, uh, to be, you know, the, the grade five schoolyard. It's you know, that like, like serious decisions with serious repercussions are, are, are made at this <laughs> At this, at this level of government and just to, you know, I just don't understand the people who, who thought that, you know, 
the orange man was a was refreshing. He was a, a refreshing change from politicians. It's like he was a change, but mm-hmm. like you know, he was. That's I. I just don't think that's what you want in a politician is somebody who can't, you know, who 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 can't be diplomatic at all. And, yeah, uh, you know. So another thing I also uh, picked up. Um, Oh, before I, before I mentioned it, uh, we had Stevie D on our last episode. So he, whether he drew the short straw or he drew the long straw, but I noticed he was not in Washington for the actual inauguration, but he was actually in Florida with the, uh, with, the, with the, with the, with the Trump folks. Like he was, <laughs> he was on part of the route. So I, I didn't, I didn't see his actual report yet. Uh, I'll probably catch it after our recording, but um, during the day, he kind of posted something that he was like on the route uh, where when Trump landed towards uh, Mar-a-Lago. Um, so I, it'd be interesting to see what he kind of picked up. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, but but my point being, the one thing that it was also shocking, just because it's like, wow, we haven't heard this in about a year. Uh, the night before and today acknowledgement of the dead 100 400,000 people mm-hmm. you know what i mean like they did they they held this um uh like vigil the night before um biden and uh and harris and then they they mentioned it in his speech today like that the you know we have to mourn these people like these people are they they were parents they were sons and daughters and they were our neighbors. And it was just like, I was, again, I was just sitting there shocked going, wow, American politician actually saying this, this is, you know, it's like, it's, it's almost like kind of a refreshing, you know, thing today. I, I, yeah, just, just after four years, just, just, it became the new normal, right? Whatever was happening down there just became the new normal, right? Like you didn't think it was possible, but then after four years of just that day after day after day, you just you just become numb to it, and you're like, "Well, that's just how it is down there." And then, and then when you see somebody acting just like a regular president, like we've seen in the past, you know, like nothing extraordinary, just just sort of doing doing the a speech that checked all the boxes, you know, all that kind of stuff. You're like, wow, that is, and and you know, you're you're, you're like you say, you're kind of blown away by the tone and civility of it all. <laughs> Yeah, like I, I, I was waiting for I don't know, maybe uh, Biden to backhand someone on the stage or something. <laughs> uh, but but yeah, it, it, we'll we'll see. He's got it. He's they've got a tough job. You know, it's it, what a way to pick up the ball, like yeah. where to pick up the ball at this time yeah. for them. So, um, but he is. I heard a stat. He is like the most um, experienced politician in the states right now because I guess just he's been he's a he's been a lifer right yeah yeah like, and he's been all he's been in all the roles he he could be the first grand slam champion of american politics right that's true <laughs> right senator vice president president he just needed to be uh, you know somewhere in the supreme court and i think he would have been a grand slam champion yeah no he's he's yeah he definitely has a lot of experience he's definitely had a lot of a lot of uh, jobs and stuff. I, I understand that for some people uh, who wanted, you know, 
some somebody different uh to run against trump he wasn't the most exciting choice he's not the the most progressive if you're if you're a progressive you know if you're a progressive democrat he's sort of like a more of a centrist or whatever but you know i i think he was he was the right choice given that you know you wanted you wanted to 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 cast as wide a net as possible and get as many people as possible to to uh to vote for him because you knew that Trump was going to be able to um energize his his base which he did which he did i mean you know quite quite effectively <laughs> obviously with the the amount of votes you know the the turnout of the election was you know that it was it was uh very um you know despite the fact that Trump got a lot of votes it's very encouraging to see that many people get out and vote but yeah you needed a guy who is going to be able to sort of like say get get like sort of like the the moderate you know guy who doesn't like Trump but you know doesn't want you know a big spending platform or, or a really like socially progressive platform or whatever you had to get that person you know somebody who wanted a safe choice he was a safe choice yeah yeah and, and we'll have to see if history will prove that he might be the best guy for the job at this point in time mm-hmm. he was busy today oh jeez, rolling back all of uh trump's uh uh environmentally poisonous <laughs> that that and and him running around the uh, white house looking at every corner, trying to find every single chicken McNugget that may have been left behind. (laughs) 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 Yeah, that's that's something you don't really have to worry about most times. (laughs) But you you, you laugh at my joke, but you realize, yeah, yeah, there's probably a few chicken McNuggets lying behind something and, you know in the bathroom kind of like a homer's sub right check behind the radiator homer's sub, yeah you, i bet you that there's like a like a grinder behind a radiator somewhere yeah uh, so an, uh, another so we'll, we'll we'll leave the that uh, americans of good so good luck america um except, except i did want to point, point yeah. out that joe exotic did not get a pardon Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so uh, you're referring to the day before Trump. He he, what, uh, he had like a list. And this is not this is very not not uncommon where the last few weeks or that any president would just have a list of people that they want to pardon. Mm-hmm. And uh, so, yeah, the Joey Exotic, I think he was actually planning like I think he, he was planning on being. Uh, I, I think he thought that he had a pretty good shot. <laughs> He he certainly shamelessly angled for it. Yeah, yeah. I, I remember seeing him. He had like rented a limo and everything. Yeah. For uh, um, I just assumed. I, I just assumed that he'd be like, you know, Joe Exotic. What what they did to him was a travesty. You know, that kind of thing. But Steve Bannon got a pardon, which you could see coming a mile away. And Little Wayne, yep. as you mentioned, Little Wayne. Yep. Now now Little Wayne. I think was probably part and parcel of the, a whole bunch of other people within the hundred that were, uh, let's just say it was like black folks that were in there for not huge, uh, like they, they weren't, they, they weren't killers or anything, but they were just kind of like, um, 
people of people of color in the states that had um, something on their record and the, like there was a whole bunch of part how little Wayne got in here because I had to look up what little Wayne was convicted for it so he he got caught with a firearm last year in an airport so that would constitute as a federal offense mm-hmm. um, how he got on the list specifically I'm thinking it might have got lumped in yeah somewhere in there and Bannon uh, yeah I, I have a I guess I have a problem with that whole pardoning thing because doesn't that they talk about the separation of executive and and judicial, but doesn't this give the president above the law power? Because you're basically saying, yeah, this person who got convicted by the judicial, by our our rule of law, uh, they're good now. Yeah. I mean, it is, it's a very, it's a very powerful tool. And I don't think that you can do any, there's no, there's no recourse, right? You can't veto it or anything like that. So, I mean, I guess, I guess it, I guess, you know, there's no, there's no way to, to do a, a check and balance against one. I don't think that I'm aware of. I don't know. Yeah. There's a lot of, <laughs> I, this, this election has, has taught me how little I know about the, the u.s political system because there's <laughs> stuff that came out that you never heard about because it was all just sort of formalities normally right like that's that's right and then, and then uh, with with this like contentious election and all this like it just seemed to go on forever right like usually mm-hmm. the the vote you usually find out that night who's won and then it's just kind of like the president just the the the, the sitting president just like peacefully putters around for a couple of months or whatever and then they and then and then the new guy comes in yep it's just oh it was just it was exhausting an exhausting news cycle every day some bs lawsuit and and little tiny flags for everybody that's right so someone who didn't get a pardon was pablo escobar and it sounds like his hippos won't be get pardoned either um so the next headline is that uh, his the Columbia cocaine hippos might be called apparently. So you and I reported this story way back a few months ago, where we learned that Pablo had this um, personal zoo, mm-hmm. and most of his most of the animals were relocated except for the hippos. I guess probably just due to their sheer size, and um, but they apparently they were thriving down there because I guess there was some type of hippo in south america at one point in time but now i guess they're getting their numbers are getting too big so unfortunately poor hippos they might be uh doing some hippo barbecue down there soon <laughs> it says this uh the option of killing them has always been on the table table is one of the quotes in the story <laughs> uh, it's just it's kind of you know i, I don't I don't know what, what what you do about uh, an expanding hippo population, where there usually usually isn't one or whatever. But it's just it's just another. I feel bad for 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 the animals because they they were you know they they have no choice in the matter right? like in all these kind of things they got they got imported there by some crazy coke lord, and that and now they're now they're now they're an inconvenience so they're gonna get so so like you know one of the options is culling them. And it's, you know, it's just, it's only, only humans have that sort of 
executive power and you know to just be like ah we'll just kill them all oh <laughs> uh, yeah so but, in, in, in another story sorry curtis you were did you have another I was point? Just gonna, i was just gonna i was just going going to say that uh you know like you know humans obviously have never considered other animal life to be of equal value it's been pretty expendable and this is just another example of that mm-hmm. um in our next animal story, our news cycle seems to be all about animals this week, but uh, uh, Dave Batista, so WWF superstar and movie star, um, more, more famously known, uh, play, the actor plays Drax in uh, Guardians of the Galaxy and, and the MSU, uh, is offering up an award, a $20,000 reward uh, for to, to find this someone this this person who sc- scraped the word trump onto a manatee mm-hmm. i don't know uh, how or what like what was used yeah but or, or why somebody even bothered uh well the, the poor thing the poor thing manatees are like the cows of the sea it's like it's like the equivalent the aqua equivalent of cow tipping right mm-hmm um but one thing that came out of the story is i didn't realize that uh, batista had like the greatest Twitter name, like his handle is just at Dave Batista, but his uh, the extended Twitter name is the artist formerly known as Super Duper Dave. <laughs> so he writes, he tweets out, if there's not already a reward for the arrest and conviction of the lowlife scummy mag hat that did this, I'll throw in 20 G's and I promise there will be bonuses to that reward. Look at that. Just... Every bounty hunter out should be should be out there. But how do you earn the the bonus? Like this seems like a flat fee type of thing to me. Like, what, I would think would so too. The bonuses entail, like if you bring the perpetrator in alive, you, you get a bonus. Or or maybe you or maybe you scrape the animal on. Or is is that is that what is that what Batista used to be called? He was the animal, right? He, I think he was the animal, yeah. Yeah, so scrape the animal onto the perpetrator. Maybe you get a reward for that. He was also a deacon Batista when he first uh, appeared as the uh, as a servant to D'Lo Brown when D'Lo Brown had that uh, the religious phase. That's right, that's right. And he was also Leviathan, right? Yeah, that- he was. He was Leviathan he, uh, in, uh, in, in the minor leagues, I think. Mm-hmm. I remember Brian Garside saying that he had all those chains, like he'd come in with all those those chains, like into the ring. Well, good good for Batista. Did you also know? Like I I, I never bothered deviling, did you? Uh, but Dave Batista, he's half Filipino. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I I did not know that until recently, and I kind of went, oh, did not know that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. He's uh, uh, he's quite he's been pretty vocal on uh you know in the last four years against uh trump which whereas like you never know where wrestlers are gonna go because because donald trump was so involved with the product for a long mm-hmm. time and a lot of the the wrestlers like like kane uh i think i think he successful didn't he successfully run for office as a republican in like tennessee or something like that and I know Rhino uh, tried to run for office in Michigan as a Republican. You know, obviously uh, Linda McMahon was in Donald Trump's cabinet at one point yep, in time. Yep. But yeah, you do get the odd one like Dave Batista, who uh, who doesn't really uh, 
doesn't really go in for that. Uh, yeah, no. Um, Glenn Glenn Jacobs is is Kane, and yeah, no, he is the mayor. He's the mayor of Knoxville, Knox County. Okay, so I don't know if he tried to go any further up the chain, but yeah, definitely mayor. Yeah. Wow! Imagine having Kane as your mayor. <laughs> I, I I wonder I, if he's in character at like at at, at like uh, municipal like like uh, at, at the municipal uh, meetings and stuff like that. Uh, who? Uh, yeah, that that'd be that'd be good. Or or him coming in, and yeah. Pyro. Yeah. yeah. Um. <laughs> I I I have heard interviews with Glenn Jacobs, and he's he's a very personable guy like he he's he yeah he's like he's not a he's um, he's he's, a, he's an intelligent guy oh yeah yeah, yeah. like yeah, it's well and he has also got great comedic timing because <laughs> to this day on that interview where i i, I was uh, i heard with glenn jacobs he says to this day fans always talk about the 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 locker room skit between himself hogan and the rock oh the canaanites that's right. <laughs> he goes, he goes, that's, that's, that's the one biggest piece of legacy that a lot of like consistently people, you know, when they see him on the street and say, Oh, I loved you with that when the rock and the Hogan and you, you know, because it's, it was interesting because in backstage skits, it's very seldom that the rock gets um, pushed aside for the, for the comedy bits. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So it was really odd that he was he was not the one dishing out the punchlines. Um, and unfortunately, Kane also uh, and Stevie D mentioned that this was his favorite um, uh, match, which was the Undertaker, Mankind, Hell in the Cell. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, so that was not the main event. The main event for the belt was actually Kane and Stone Cold. So they actually had to follow up that oh, Undertaker wow. Mankind match. Could you imagine like wow. being backstage and going, uh, yeah, we're just going to go out there and do the match. Cause Glenn Jacobs goes, this was supposed to be my night. This was the first time he won the, the championship. Yeah. And no one knows about it because yeah. the only thing people talk about is Mick going off the, Going off the the cage and then going yeah. through, going through the cage, getting his face slammed on the tacks. What the hell was that guy thinking? <laughs> uh, no idea. But yeah, like once again, Kane overshadowed by his older brother. So yep. much animosity. So much animosity. The brothers of destruction. <laughs> I, I I remember like they were they were better as as opponents. I remember because when they tagged together. They had that Brothers of Destruction gimmick. Two guys who do not sell any offense. You know, like I remember yeah. do, you, do you remember? I think we were watching it together. They they there was a brief time when Brian Adams and Brian Clark Chronic uh were in WWE. They were mostly a WCW tag team, but they were briefly in WWE and they fought Kane and the Undertaker, and nobody sold a damn thing for like 20 minutes it was terrible like it was unwatchable (laughs) yep 
only only a few characters can pull that off where you do the no sell. Um, and right now, if you're watching the product right now, they 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 have two basically, but they're kind of together, which is um, Bray Wyatt's fiend, and uh, now that there's a um, Alexa Bliss female variant, I don't know if she's given a, a proper alter ego name but she started to do that for the female side where she she snaps and does the no sell yeah which is fine you know because they were supposed to be like this supernatural character right yeah i mean even for undertaker and kane it was part of their part of their shtick and i could i could get behind it but just too much of it in one match is just like yeah (laughs) (laughs) oh my god did did you realize that he was actually in a in a movie um, in it seems to ring a bell. 2006 slasher film, See No Evil. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we might have to do that in a review, I think. Yeah, yeah. Oof. Uh, okay, why don't we go on to our, our, our next segment? So uh, we said goodbye to the Mandalorian uh, in the last episode, but uh, hello to WandaVision. So... WandaVision is the first MCU TV show um, and it stars uh, two very powerful characters, uh, Wanda Maximoff and Vision. Um, All we know and the synopsis tells us is the two are living out a quite a utopian lifestyle in old sitcoms as a as a happy couple. And after that, strap yourself in and enjoy the ride. So, Curtis, what did you think of? And we'll talk about both episodes because both the two episodes all both got dropped at the same time last week. So, um, what what are your initial thoughts, Curtis? Well, it's I liked it a lot. Um, it's I like it, it in that it's very unique. It's a def, definitely something different from taking Marvel. chances. Taking yeah, chances. Marvel, yeah, yeah, definitely taking chances. Like just having it in black and white and like mimicking TV shows that most of the people are too young to have watched that are going to be interested in WandaVision, right? Like, you know, um, I, yeah, they took a lot of re- real stylistic uh, chances with it. And, uh, and, and like it is, I thought like the, the first two, two episodes, the first episode in particular is like a really good version i wouldn't even call it a send-up it's like a good version of a of of like a you know dick van dyke you know type of uh i love lucy-esque type of tv show um obviously there's a couple of sort of marvel moments in it but for the most part like it, it plays it pretty straight uh and uh and and yeah i i really enjoyed it uh, i think i was t- talking to you before one thing the one, the one thing I'm kind of concerned about is I'm enjoying, I'm enjoying kind of this sort of thing that they have going on, and I would be quite content just to see them go through sort of like the years of, of, of sitcoms, you know, like like they'll have like a Family Ties style episode, and then maybe like a Seinfeld type episode or something, mm-hmm. and just have them exist in all these different, uh, in all these different different shows. But obviously, it's going to at some point tie into a arc, like a big sort of uh, 
uh, season encompassing arc. And I'm, <clears throat> I mean, obviously I, I, I should give them the benefit of the doubt, but I'm kind of worried that when it finally gets revealed what's going on, it's going to disappoint. It's going to be a bit, a bit sort of prosaic. Yeah. Uh, I, and it's interesting you mentioned that because I had that same feeling when, uh, or in Thor Ragnarok, where I found that everything that happened on planet Hulk or, uh, with the Jeff Goldblum character and, and when they find Hulk on that planet, all of that part of the movie, you know, it's still a good two thirds of the movie, right? Mm Mm-hmm was the best parts of the movie, right? Like I couldn't care less what was happening on Asgard or anywhere else that in, in, in the movie itself. And, and you're right. It's, it's, it's so interesting. It's so new. It's, it's kind of refreshing because I didn't need to see Wanda or vision going off and fighting some evil bad guy from day one and being a straightforward good versus evil type story. Um, let's just say spoilers from here on, uh, in case no one's seen it. Um, I, I liked it too. Really, really enjoyed it. Enjoyed it. Um, especially for, yeah, the, the, like you said, the Dick Van Dyke, uh, uh, Dick Van Dyke show format that they kind of went with. They had this perfect, perfectly good couple living in a perfectly good life and they had their perfect little jobs and, they're making perfect dinner and and uh, uh, I, I I love that and and just the slow little drips of something isn't right here to kind of you know tie like I said tie into a larger story arc because this from what I understand is this is a single season run mm-hmm. and the episode here uh, leads the the chart the the end of the series here leads into the next Doctor Strange movie and I think into the next Spider-Man movie. Yeah, um, I think um if I'm not mistaken I think yeah both both Scarlet Witch and Spider-Man are in the next Doctor Strange movie which is the uh the Multiverse of Madness. That's right, that's right. Um so my my take on the show so far is it it's giving me a um the TV show Lost, it's giving me that feeling mixed in with the old 60s TV show, um, The Prisoner. Um, because without reading too much into it, and I, I again, I've been avoiding the internet and everyone describing what's going on because um, I don't need anyone to explain it to me now. I'd rather just enjoy the ride. Uh, but you get the sense that Wanda, Wanda herself is in some type of prison. Right. Like, or she's being held somewhere. The last time we see Wanda, she was at Tony, Tony Stark's funeral. Um, So you think she's fine. We know Vision is no longer with us. But in the first two episodes, you get the sense that Wanda's kind of the only one or Wanda is is the centerpiece of of what's happening and everything is happening around her because Vision doesn't get a sense of other stuff that's happening like he's kind of like any of the other characters just playing their role of the good husband um so they've been slowly dripping things so in the first episode i guess the first drip would be um when they're having dinner right and the boss starts to choke Mm -hmm. and uh 
the boss's wife, who is played by um, that '70s show mom, Deborah Jo Rupp. That's right, and she starts panicking. But that makes sense because the TV show character would need to kind of perform within the parameters of that character. So, and in a way, Wanda breaks character and tries and had to really convince Vision to go help him. Right, use his powers to help him. Um, and uh, yeah, looking forward to it. The second episode, same thing. There was a few more drops, a few more drips than the first one. Yeah, like uh, a few more sort of more obvious ones, I guess, like the radio. Uh, radio, the helicopter. Yeah. Um, and kind of the weird noises that Vision kind of hears and it's calling out. And we'll talk about the, the end of the second episode in a little bit. Um, but yeah, slow, slow drips. Um, but I want to talk about, uh, an interesting thing that they inserted into the show, um, the commercials. Mm -hmm. So there's a single commercial in both episodes. Uh, the first one is for a toaster Mm -hmm. made by Stark Industries. Um, it's, it's, it's very deliberate. They put it in there. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> there's only one commercial in there so it, it's it's an interesting little piece it left you head scratching and then the second episode they showed another commercial same actors but it was uh, a watch right and the watch had uh watch was made by hydra right yeah, it was made by a uh, strucker sorry strucker. the hydra symbol on it that's yeah. right that's right yeah yeah um and uh we should also say that the first episode is yeah dick van dyke show-esque the second one is slightly different because it's it almost like seems to jump generations it's a bit more bewitched i would say that's right so kind of what let's just say early 60s to or yeah yeah or yeah sort of like late 50s early 60s bewitched i think is one of those shows that straddled the black and white color sort of era that's right oh did you also notice that the 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 whole episode um, at least while you're watching it, watching Wanda is in uh, four by three. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's not, it's not letterboxed. It's yeah. not full screen. So I, I thought, oh, that's a nice little touch. Oh, stylistically, there's all kinds of great attention to detail in this show. Yeah. So we talked about the commercials and the, uh, any, any theories? I don't really want to speculate, speculate here, but commercials, Curtis, did, did you notice anything interesting why would they put it in there? Yeah, I'm not too sure how they. I'm not too sure how they tie in, um, you know. But they were, uh, yeah. I mean, the toast one was pretty funny. Like it was like uh, very sort of of its time, sort of like sexist, sort of. Yeah. <laughs> wasn't was the fact that like the the first piece of toast gets burnt or something like that? <laughs> I think so. Yeah, and. Uh, yeah, I don't know. Yeah, obviously, obviously, they the companies in these tie into the Marvel universe. So, um, yeah, I don't know why. I don't know. Don't I don't know whether that's uh, sort of part part of the part of the environment that uh, that that Wanda's living in. Like it's they're added yep. in to sort of uh, flesh out her environment, or whether there's some other purpose to them, but. Yeah, so we mentioned the the episodes jump from 
it's a different show in episode two. Mm-hmm. Same actors and actresses that were in the first one so far, except we haven't seen um, uh, the the boss or the wife again. But mm-hmm. um, the 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 boss was in the that cartoon beginning credits. There was an animated beginning credits for the second one in the boss. Yep. The boss, right, right, right. <laughs> I also love how how the boss and everybody just calls him Vision, like it's nothing, right? Like, yeah, or Viz, Viz, yeah. Like nobody had that name. <laughs> nobody exactly. had that name in 1950s America, and you know, you'd, you'd be you'd be rocking the boat. But uh, but getting back to sorry, my point about um, the the Wanda's prison, like. It, it reminded me of the the matrix right where in order to kind of keep her docile you put her into a prison that is like her utopian right her her deepest desire was obviously to be with vision and mm-hmm. be ultra happy and what what better place than in a tv sitcom mm-hmm. where the couple just lives up this blissful life um, so uh, that's pretty interesting. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's like the the uh, what is it? The red pill? Is it the red pill or the blue pill? Which is the one where you're woke? Uh, the blue pill is. Oh, sorry, no. The red pill you take if you want to um, disconnect yourself from the matrix. Right. So she's. So this is her blue pill sort of life. Yeah. Yeah. Um, the the other supporting characters are very very interesting. Um, so far, the one that's the most compelling is the neighbor, right? Mm-hmm. Agnes. Yeah. So, I uh, that's the only thing I kind of noticed. I suspect that Agnes, the nosy neighbor, stereotypical character that, um, interjects herself into all the scenarios. Yeah. Uh, she's probably one of the nefarious characters, I would think. At least that's the vibe I'm getting. Mm-hmm. I don't know about you. Yeah, it seems so. Yeah. Like, like she's kind of the one that's kind of herding Wanda around, if you will, in, in the prison, um, disguising herself as, you know, her friend and whatever. Yeah. yeah. Um, I, I think everyone else might also be prisoners as well, other than Vision. Um, that might be the case. Yeah. Uh, but there's an also an interesting character that showed up at the end of episode two, which was the beekeeper that comes out of the sewer. Yeah. <laughs> so we have to describe this. Like, so they, they, there's, they throughout this episode, they, they're talking about this noise or sorry, it's bookended uh, with the episode of the, the strange noise that they keep hearing from outside. Yeah. And they vision and Wanda finally go outside, brave the noise and something's coming out of the sewer the sewer grate will get slid across and this guy comes out and he's in a beekeeper uh, outfit with bees around them. You don't really get a good look at his face to see who it is, but Wanda, you get the sense that Wanda knows or Wanda gets some kind of instinct. And then the episode starts going in reverse as if um, something was interjecting itself into her prison that she should not see so whoever wanda's um prison guards are yeah backed it up and and started changing and then also it it, the episode changes because it starts to go color yeah at the end right yes so 
um i guess the next episode would be partridge family level <laughs> yeah. yeah i guess my, so. I three, think... my, three, my three sons yeah. something like that level. and i guess the and i guess that sort of like uh false sort of uh world that she's in will continue to fray you know we'll probably fray a bit more in an episode three and you know i guess probably by the end you know by the second last episode they'll know what they're up against and the last episode will be the the uh the climactic sort of fight or whatever but i like i said i kind of would be fine if they were just in a comedy for the whole thing (laughs) then that was just it you're right i i think it would probably come down to the last episode before they before she breaks out of her prison if that is truly where she is yeah because when i i remember before the the show started i was thinking oh is she conjuring up these tv shows that so that she can escape from the real world or whatever and um but i don't know like i said i'm just i'm i'm just enjoying the ride at this point curtis so mm-hmm. i'm not going to try to spoil it by going down into comic book lore and trying to find the story that this might be following or who is the uh, because there, you do see a character who, um, in "quote unquote" the real world that is watching the television show um, at the end of the first episode. You see this; you don't see their face. You kind of see them mm-hmm. uh, in front of this old TV, and there's a there's a symbol on the helicopter and her notebook. It's like a circle with a sword um, on it. Um, I'm sure if I was a super, super Marvel fan reading the comic books, I'd probably recognize the symbol, but I don't. So again, I kind of refuse to look it up and I'll, Mm -hmm. I'll enjoy the ride. Yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. Uh, you mentioned Dick Van Dyke earlier. So that was interesting because his name is actually in the credits deep in there. So the story goes that they actually consulted him, Mm -hmm. um, for at least the first episode to kind of get the, I guess the feel because Dick Van Dyke had no idea what Marvel, you know, the guy, the man's in his nineties. Like, yeah, yeah. And uh, apparently, he was in a meeting with uh, with Fangi and and just asked, "So, what movies have you guys done before?" And like Fangi goes, "Oh, we just finished filming or releasing Marvel uh, Avengers Endgame, the biggest movie of all time." <laughs> and he was like, "Oh, that's great. So what do you want to know?" And so. <laughs> um yeah I, w- I wonder if they got uh is anyone still alive from the partridge family to get get the feel of of uh oh, that era danny bonaducci still alive. oh you think you think they can pull still alive yeah who was who was the uh who was the who was a cassid was it one of the cassidy's david cassidy was he the oldest yeah yep. i think all those guys are still alive oh Look for their names in the credits in the upcoming episodes. Yeah. Uh, Bonad Bonad Bonaducci is uh, is available. I'm sure to do whatever they need. <laughs> so, any any other parting thoughts on Wandavision before we go on to episode three uh, coming out this week? Just that, um, you know, the other good thing is uh, being able to see sort of Elizabeth Olsen and Paul Bettany. You know flex their comedic muscles a little bit which is kind mm-hmm. of uh, kind of fun um you know because those characters particularly vision wasn't in it a ton right like he 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 
he made his debut in uh, Age of Ultron, I guess. Then he was in Civil War, and then he, and then he was in uh, uh, um, Infinity War, where he where he dies, and he wasn't really like a main part of any any of those i guess maybe age of ultron was his biggest role and scarlet witch has been around i guess for the same amount of time but you know she went from laying on that thick sort of european accent in the (laughs) in the age of ultron to being to sort of like becoming a little bit more sort of like a you know like 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 they let her voice be more sort of organic and stuff um but even even then like she was kind of sidelined to a degree in a lot of these she was in it more than vision but like she wasn't didn't have like a massive role so it's good to see them not only get like a lot of screen time but also get to play like against type a little bit and 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 i think they're both really good like i think they've they've you know shown that they that they can uh that 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 uh that they have some range and can do some comedy as well as like the the superhero stuff so that that's that's what's imp- one of the things that's impressed me so far. Yeah, that uh, totally agree. And that, that goes back to the comment that we were made at the top, which was uh, Marvel taking a chance, right? Yeah. Let, let's do something different. Something that's entertaining can still be superhero related, but it doesn't have to be fighty. Yeah. <laughs> and, 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 you know, we're fighting some kind of giant monster and, and relying on that bag of tricks. Um, but you're right, Paul. Paul Bettany. Uh, now, to be to be fair with Paul Bettany, he did have some good zingers as Jarvis mm. uh, in, in the early on when he didn't have a physical form. Uh, but you're right, the scene where he is playing the ukulele <laughs> to yakety yak. Yeah. Or no, he was actually ad libbing. Right? Yeah. Was he singing? Oh my god! I was just like, I was like in tears, laughing. Yeah. <laughs> And and the whole, uh, and the whole sketch about them doing the magic tricks, right? Yeah, yeah. To the to to the to the crowd. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that, yeah. Because he 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 gets some gum in his works, and he acts drunk, like you know that is <laughs> sort of <laughs> which doesn't which doesn't make yeah, any no. sense whatsoever. <laughs> but sure, yeah. But I love the animation. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, love the animation. Yeah, there's nothing in his stomach except two two gears, and then the <laughs> piece of gum goes between the two gears. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So looking forward to episode three. So episode three looks like it's going to be in color, more early seventies, I guess. Um, Partridge Family, Brady Bunch era. Um, so we'll see where that uh, where that takes us and. Maybe we'll see more of the beekeeper, or <laughs> keep our keep keep one eye on Agnes, right? That's that's yeah. that's, that's my the beekeeper is Thanos. That's my that's my prediction. You think it's Thanos? No. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sure somebody though has postulated that on the internet. Uh, no, they're they're gonna Marvel has been too smart for this. That it, it they're not Lucasfilm. They're not bringing back anybody, or they're going to try to bring as new, much new things as possible out of the, the the trunk to expand this universe. And I think that they've already proven that that's that's what they're going to do. Yeah. yeah. But uh, yep, 
enjoying it so far. So we'll waited for bated breath for episode three. So on to video games. Uh, so Curtis, you are playing, or you've been going through Hades, from what I understand, right? Yeah, it's a game through hell. Go through hell. <laughs> through hell. Yeah, literally. Uh, yeah, it's a game I didn't really know anything ab- about. Like it's one of those ones that kind of flew under my radar, and then everybody, and then all all, all these people that that I sort of follow uh, were were uh, posting their top ten. 10 list and Hades was like at the top or in the top, like three or four of almost all of them. I'm like, how have I not heard of this game? So, so I got it on the switch. Uh, I think it's available on switch and, and PC. Um, and, uh, and yeah, it's a great, uh, it's a great game. Uh, um, by, uh, I think are they called super giant games. The same guys It's from, from the same guys who did transistor and bastion. Um, and, uh, it's I guess it's what you would call like a rogue a roguelike type of game where you know you're gonna die like a, a bunch of times um <laughs> and when you start off like you can't help but die, but as you progress because you're the son of Hades and you're trying to get out, and he doesn't want you to get out, so there's all these these and it's a it's a different um world every time it's like it's like sort of uh, generate like it generates differently every time and eventually something kills you and you go back to uh tartarus to hades like throne room but but each time you you know you're able to like buy like permanent power-ups and stuff so eventually like it gets it gets easier to like transcend the first couple of levels and then you know and then and then you'll find a new sort of boss or whatever that keeps smacking you down but then eventually you get past that so i'm at the point now where i'm gonna get out pretty soon i think but uh, the other co- cool thing is each time you you die and you go back um sort of like more dribs and and drabs of the story come out and uh you know because you keep sort of having conversations with the various creek gods or you know Achilles or Orpheus or whoever's in sort of like the Hades palace or whatever and uh and the game sort of reveals itself in these these little snippets but eventually like you know it starts to become more and more cohesive and it's kind of an interesting way that uh that that they that they do the exposition so yeah it's a it's a cool game it's less expensive than you know than 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 a triple a title you know because it's in because it's an indie game but like uh totally totally got my money's worth already put a lot of time into it and i think you can put like a ton of time into it and uh and and and, uh before you get before you get bored or before you escape hades too many times or or whatever so yeah if you've uh if you if you have a switch and you're interested in, in in an interesting little indie game uh, not not that little actually then uh yeah, i would recommend it okay so uh so anyone big fan of like dungeon crawling yeah yeah game? dungeon crawling yeah i mean it's basically the combat is you know you can shoot you you unlock various weapons so there's there's like i think six total weapons and they each have their own obviously like their strengths and you power them up as you go through and you lose like if you die you lose like all those power-ups but but then then you kind of can unlock some permanent power-ups then so eventually you start to get a build going so if you like using the spear because you like the 
the range of it and stuff like that, you, you eventually get to the point where you can sort of power it up and tailor it a little bit. It's pretty deep. Like it's quite a deep game. There's a lot of customization that kind of comes along in, again, in spurts rather than just have like a skill tree where you level up, you say, Oh, I'm going to take like bonus damage with, you know, whatever it's sort of, uh, comes it doesn't give you everything right away but eventually you start to uh unlock some pretty interesting stuff okay i can dig it um myself i picked up a little uh an older game i'll use older in air quotes it was on my list of two plays and this is on the playstation 4 um and this is the game control by uh, Remedy Entertainment. So, uh, since I had to put down Cyberpunk twenty seventy seven, I had to try to find something I guess similar in the genre. <laughs> so this is less ambitious. So, uh, Control is a third person um, action adventure story driven game, if you will. Um, more heavy again, just like Cyberpunk, heavy sci fi. Like you are catapulted into this really out there world um and the game just picks up right away like you won't have any known too much history about your own character you're you're you play as uh oh what is her name i'm uh is it jesse you play as jesse so female lead in the in the in the game uh you're slowly getting bits and pieces of her history, but there's something, you're just not an average person. Um, so you enter this building, which uh, is um, basically the Bureau, Federal Bureau of Control, <laughs> which is like this hidden, but in plain sight, organize, US organization. So, uh, so this game is, we talked about WandaVision being prisoner meets lost. This is like, X-Files meets probably X-Files. It's like X-Files, but, you know, video game version of X-Files. So uh, I haven't gone through too much. I think I'm about maybe an hour and a half in. The combat is fair. It's not silly tough. There is a a, um, very simple... uh, mechanics for your weapons and inventory reminds me of resident evil mm-hmm. where you can kind of put like a single mod like it, it's not super complicated to your that you're crafting these things um jesse learns abilities over time but they're so far i haven't seen any evidence of like a a skill tree per se um you can add some perks to yourself but it's again you only have so many slots so it's kind of like oh I want higher regenerative health or I want uh, higher maximum health and you can have one or the other, but not both. And the world itself is not open world game like cyberpunk that you're, you're inside this building of the federal bureau of control where there's supernatural like dimensional things that have invaded <laughs> this building and you're out to find the truth. Like ultimately, you know that you kind of went there for answers about your brother and what happened to you, uh, and then you get thrown into this adventure. Um, but uh, there is a secret to Jesse because Jesse keeps talking to 
something and you haven't, I haven't figured out what it is yet because it's, it's, it hasn't been revealed to me. Uh, but it's, it's, uh, it's embodied in this glass prison like circle like thing. And she talks to it once in a while and it helps you in certain points in the game. But, uh, um, but yeah, so far enjoying it. It's a nice little replacement for cyberpunk. Now that I'm kind of missing it. Mm -hmm. Deep story. Um, it's fun enough. Uh, and yeah, just enjoying the ride there. Just trying to see where it, where it takes me. Now this game won quite a few awards and it's been pretty critically acclaimed as well. So that's why I was kind of looking forward to finally getting to it. So we'll see, see where it takes it. Yeah. It sounds pretty cool. So it's like a cool, cool sort of action adventure type of game. Well, these guys are the same guys that made, uh, I don't know if you played it back in the day. Um, uh, Alan Wake. Oh yeah. Yeah. So it's the perspective is the same as that. And even Alan Wake back when that game, I think I had it for Xbox 360. Uh, again, just a great story driving the game itself. Um, so same thing. Yeah. yeah. So, I remember, uh, Alan Wake was pretty, pretty creepy. If I remember correctly. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, this one is less. Well, I guess it's just as creepy, but because there's, you know, we already know there's some kind of alien dimensional thing invading. There, there's no. At least I haven't come across too many jump scares. Mm-hmm. Plus, I'm also heavily armed at this point. <laughs> I, I'm armed and I have telekinesis all of a sudden. So it's like, oh, I'm like a gun wielding Jedi. <laughs> yeah, it's not harder to be scared in those situations. Yeah, yeah. It's a it's the same thing when uh, I was playing that VR game the the in, the Until Dawn World um, VR shooting game. Uh, it's creepy. It's it can be scary, sure, but I'm also heavily armed, so <laughs> <laughs> that puts me in a good position. I'm not running around going, "Oh my god, I can't I can't fight back." But, uh, um, yeah, I'll, I'll I'll let you know maybe in a, a, a another further episode. Um, uh, how the game's coming along. Um, so, uh, Curtis and I were going to do a review of thunder in paradise, but neither of us could find a copy. (laughs) I think anywhere may may have been, uh, may have been a saving grace. (laughs) Uh, I, I, I think so. I, I, I found the, the theatrical trailer on YouTube and for those listening and they want to look it up, uh, yeah, the trailer basically is no trailer. It it basically will tell you the entire story, and yeah, I think it's I think it's quite painful. Um, but I think what we'll what we got to do is still do one of the wrestling movies. So maybe we'll switch over to uh, No Holds Barred. I think that was our second choice, anyways, right? Barred, sure, yeah, yeah. We'll, we'll we'll see about that for next time. Yeah. But uh, since we had a double episode of WandaVision, we figured okay, well let's just uh, let's just do that. We could also. Uh... I, 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 if I, if worse comes to worse, I have a copy of They Live. Oh, Roddy Piper. <laughs> or, or we could try to find Hell Comes to Frogtown. Or maybe we should try to look up this Kane movie. Oh, God, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> What's it called? See No Evil? Uh, yeah, let's, let's talk a little bit about it. So, See No Evil, 2006 slasher film directed by who knows, written by I don't know, produced by I don't know. And starring professional wrestler Kane. Um, 
Oh, it's actually one of the first films produced by L- by WWE Films. Oh yeah, WWE Films. <laughs> uh, Wasn't John Cena like in the, the Marine or something like that? The Marine and uh, I don't know what else they produced. Did they produce that um, wrestling with my family? I that they that... did. I'm pretty yeah. sure they did. I like that movie. Yeah, so I, I think they're getting better. This one was clearly they wanted Kane to be in a movie. I guess I I I, I just don't want to read the synopsis, but <laughs> I just don't feel like it. <laughs> but uh, let's see how well did it do. Uh, film opened in 2006. It grossed 4.6 million. Whoa! It only grossed 4.6 million dollars. It went on to gross 15 um, in U.S. and 18 overall in the world uh, and an $8 million budget. So that is not great in today's standards. Like that's not even uh, uh, Adam Sandler movie ratio, right? But on that budget, that's not too bad, though. Uh, so that is a low budget. Like you so, could probably make a movie for eight million. We could find somebody to finance it. I'm sure. Oh God, we could just do it on credit cards and. Uh... All right, so you'll love this, Curtis. The film received overwhelmingly negative reviews. Yeah, with rotten. <laughs> That's what it says. With Rotten Tomatoes giving it a nine percent approval rating. Whoa. And consensus stating, see no evil is packed with cliches from countless other teen slasher films, making for a predictable, scare-free waste of time. <laughs> well, maybe we'll see if we can try to find that one then. There, there, was, a, there was a sequel. <laughs> was Kane in it? Also by WWE Films. He, he sure was. Oh, boy. Oh, it was the direct direct to DVD though. Curtis did not get theatrical release. Yes, in June two thousand fourteen, it was reported the movie would not be released to theaters, instead being released to video on demand, as well as ones that probably got like a cult following in like Poland or something like that. On well, there <laughs> in the in the Krakow uh, Film Festival, it, yeah. it, it premiered there. It was a cheap movie. You know, this one has a has a has a real big star. WWE <laughs> Behemoth Kane. Oh man! So remember that you can catch Curtis and I on Spotify and Apple Podcast. Uh, remember to give us a little subscribe, and on Apple Podcast, you can leave us some stars and some comments. We always like to hear some feedback. Um, on both platforms, you can re-listen to Season 1 and also catch up uh, on Season 2 with us. So thank you as always, Curtis, and just remember that sometimes a cucumber is just a cucumber. from home! Home.